This is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notifier button so you can be aware whenever a new episode is available. Also, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate that. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Welcome back to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. My name is Scott Switzer. We like to do fitness. These are my friends. I got my co-host, Amy Radowski, with me and special guest, Facundo. Facundo, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very happy to be with you guys today. Thank you for the invite. And uh, look forward to spend uh, some time with you talking about our sport. Yeah. I need to tell our audience that Amy and I are sitting in the middle of a severe thunderstorm. Um, I actually lost internet and got it back about five minutes before we went on the air. Um, so hopefully nothing happens. We keep power through this broadcast, but just know if we drop off, that's why. <laughs> so I want to start in a weird place, Facundo. I read somewhere where your craziest job was you were a waiter in a restaurant and your job was to get up at 4.15 in the morning and turn on the oven. And that was it. <laughs> you, you did some research, huh? I mean, those, those dark yeah. days of my life. Yeah. When I was studying in France, in Strasbourg, I got a job as a waiter in a restaurant and um, in a hotel, actually, in a hotel. It was not a restaurant. And my only job, I, I used to work with a very mean lady, really mean. And uh, <laughs> so I had to go there at 4.30, touch the bottom to the oven. And I was supposed to wait till the croissant and the bread was baked for the customers in the morning. I was not even allowed to have a coffee. Can you imagine? <laughs> So it's funny because I connected with that. My first job in college was at Wendy's and I had to make the biscuits in the morning. So I had to be at Wendy's at 3.30 in the morning and I had to mix up all the biscuit dough and cut them and put them in the oven and make biscuits every morning for all the sandwiches. So we do have something in common already, yeah? Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Those, me, those, those hard old days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, and I was my, that was my freshman year in college, and I was not the um, – so I may have still been under the influence of alcohol when I went in to make the biscuits. Okay. Well, that makes things easier somehow, right? <laughs> Does it? I mean, did you yeah. even bother going to sleep, or did you just stay up all night so you could go? Just stayed up, went right in. That seems, that seems <laughs> professional. No, yeah. I, I, was, I was a nerd. You know, I was studying, and I was really a nerd, so – I remember that um, I, I have a very thick beard. I don't you see now because I just shaved. But um, if you know, I, I want I have to wake up so early that I, I you know, I, I used to go to bed super early too to survive the day through the day because I was still a full time student. Mm -hmm. uh, so I remember that I used to shave because I was supposed to be shaved, like like really child looking person, and I used to shave at five or six p.m. And by the time it was 10 a.m. the following morning, in the middle of the breakfast, you could see a lot of the shadow of the beard. And the woman was like, my mean boss, you didn't shave yesterday. I swear that I did. You have a lot of hair growing on. So, but I, you have to shave before coming to the hotel then. Like, wake up early and shave in the morning. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm in a happier, happier place now, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So your, your childhood, you actually grew up in Argentina. But you have lived in so many countries around the world. 
Yeah, I work. I was born in Buenos Aires, in Argentina. Then I would be very fast because I I need to keep track myself, otherwise I get confused. So it was Buenos Aires, Brazil, Buenos Aires, Spain, Buenos Aires, New York, Boston, Buenos Aires, Germany, France, and Belgium. That is where life has taken me so far. Uh, which, if you are a fan of soccer, it's a bit of a problem because you never know, you know which <laughs> thing do you wanna <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, uh, what did but you, you have? Okay. Oh, go ahead, Amy. I was gonna say, what did you study in school? You said that you were in school when you had that job. What were you so, studying? I studied neurosciences in, in in Strasbourg, psychology, and you know, with with specialization in neurosciences. And uh, it was a very miserable time of my life. I didn't. I mean, <laughs> it was hard time. Um, but uh, yeah, I studied that, and then I moved to Brussels. I started working in the European Parliament. Um, and then I studied political science and international conflict and security. I worked in the European Parliament as a political advisor for 16 years. And one day I said, that's it. I'm going to do, I want to be a CrossFit coach. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Kind of. So I, uh, I actually work for state government here in Ohio, in Pennsylvania, or in, in the United States. And I'm hoping one day to say, that's it. I'm just going to be a podcaster. Yeah, I mean, you're doing a great job. So, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah. I, I think what's funny is you work for one political party when you were working in parliament and your husband was working for another one? That is correct. We couldn't talk politics at home. Right. It was like, okay. no, no. What we talk about, oh, it's a nice day. Tomorrow is going to rain or who takes a dog <laughs> out. But, but topics like... Um, uh, you know, did you see what happened today in the plenary session? You guys voted for this, but you were doing that. Right. So, um, no, no, no. It's just, you know, CrossFit. I did a one rim snatch. He didn't know. He never knows what uh, what that is kind of, but uh, <laughs> uh, those were the topics <laughs> of uh, of our evenings. Yeah, you got to set some firm boundaries there about what you what you can talk I know. about. Um, I know, but but to be very honest, I work. I started as a uh, you know I started working in the parliament because it was my plan B. I I, I wanted to do a PhD and I was I, I failed on the on the German test uh, for the university, so I, I didn't have a plan B. I was so sure that I was going to you know to be accepted, and no, of course, wasn't the case. So um, a friend of mine told me of. Um, a member of the European Parliament who was in desperate need of a Spanish-speaking, German-fluent-speaking guy. And, uh, you know, it's like, there's some money involved. Yeah, yeah. So I packed my bags from Strasbourg, from the mean lady on the on the breakfast, and, <laughs> and I went to, to Brussels, and I, I, I'm still there. So how do you go from neuroscience as your major to working in parliament and as someone who studied neuroscience, what, what did that give you as a view of politics at that time? That, that politicians are crazy to start with. That was a very simple <laughs> affirmation. No, 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 no. It's uh, you know, it, they, uh, they are, they are as crazy as people in many other environments. I tend to believe that people that work really hard to go to the CrossFit games, they are crazy. When the sacrifices they do, the life they lead, you know, they put themselves on such a stressful situation all year round for just one weekend. Uh, so that's also a bit cuckoo. But um, it was because, uh, you know, I didn't have plan B and I, I, 
I really thought that I was I wanted to do um, you know a PhD on the development of emotions on the prefrontal cortex, which was something that neurosciences was very strong back then, given the instruments we have to measure you know research. And uh, so I met a teacher in Cologne. He loved the topic, but uh, there's a, there's a German test to be you know to pass in order to get accepted. And when I went to to pass the test, I realized, or I didn't realize, I just found out that half of the test was in in Latin, and I didn't speak Latin certainly, <laughs> like zero. So uh, that was not enough for me to to be, to to be accepted. And uh, Parliament sounded you know, financially interesting after starting so many years, you know, counting the euros uh, out of my pocket, then I uh, said, well, yeah, I mean, as long as it pays, I'll do, I'll do whatever kind of. So you, you speak several languages, but not Latin. No, 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 no. I speak some <laughs> languages, none of them good, as I, as I tend to say, but uh, I, I, Latin is not something that I, I know, zero, zero. I, 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 I I speak uh, uh, Spanish is my mother tongue. I speak some English, French, uh, German. We speak German at home, and I speak Italian. And then I don't speak anything decently anymore. So that's my my limit. Mm-hmm. So really, it was. I think I saw that it was your language skills that got you into kind of the CrossFit media coaching oh, yeah. world. Scott, you know everything about me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like running out of stories to tell. Yeah, I, it, it, is, it, it is funny because I had to pass my, today I'm supposed to pass my judges course because I'm, I'm going to be going to the games next week to coach, well, some of my athletes. And in order to get the coaches passed, you need to pass a judges test, right? And I didn't remember my, uh, my CrossFit password in order to get to my profile. So I had to Google myself in CrossFit. And, I rea- and then I saw, uh, I used to work articles for CrossFit uh, HQ, but then before media was, before uh, like visual media was good, I don't know if you guys were around back then, 2012, we, we, we used to write articles on, on profiles on athletes. So my job was like, Facundo, who in Europe you think, you know, is worth paying attention to? And uh, that is uh, what I started doing. I Actually, everything started when I went to the Berlin Invitational in 2013. I was working in the parliament already, and I used my parliamentary credentials to get a VIP tickets, and I think that it was worth it. <laughs> I would do it again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, uh, it's funny. It's really funny because um, I was sitting next to Hilary Froning, which for me back then was like, you know, wow. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And uh, now she's... Maybe my best friend in life, one of my best friends without any doubt. And, you know, everything started there. But it started because in that, uh, in the broadcast of the Invitational, uh, you know, I remember that we were in a German-speaking country. The, 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 the channel that would broadcast the event, Eurosport, had all French-speaking uh, staff. And CrossFit had sent some of their uh, HQ uh, producers and director for the event. So nobody could understand anybody, you know. And I remember after uh, after five minutes into the into the uh, first workout, Justin Berg, who was, who was back then the the manager of the CrossFit Games, came to me and said, "Hey, bro, I mean, I heard you speak so many languages. We have a situation on the broadcasting track. Would you mind give us a hand? If you don't, I would accept and so on." 
Um, and of course I said yes, and I missed the event because I was spent the whole time there explaining to the camera woman uh, what a thruster is a big movement or a small movement, what was, you know, muscle up and so on, because these people didn't know anything about our sport. So I was just saying, big camera, far away, now you can come close, now far away again, now running, now this. And um, that opened me a lot of doors. So uh, that is how I, uh, how I started. So I think like when, I, <clears throat> when I've been researching your background, what you're great at is building relationships. And because of those so. relationships, because of those relationships, opportunities keep coming to your way. Because that story starts with you talking with Rory McKernan, Justin Berg in the VIP section. And if you wouldn't have built that relationship, Justin wouldn't have felt comfortable coming to you, asking you to help him out on the truck. Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like to say that I'm a very, very lucky guy, you know, um, and and... I have I have come across you know, to great great people uh, that were very generous with me and gave me a lot of chances and opportunities to do what I'm doing now. So I have a tendency to believe that I'm I'm very lucky more than gifted in relationships and relations. <laughs> you're well, I'm going to say you're I'm a relator. I'm, I'm going to say you're great at relationships, and I also think you're a sponge because. There, there's nothing in common with what you jump from to what you jump to. And I think you just have a thirst to learn as much as you can. Look, I, I like to learn, but you know, at, at the end of the day, coach is such a, such a mesmerizing job, you know, because it really entails many different things. I don't think that I would be a coach if I wouldn't have a background in psychology uh, that serves, helps me a lot to understand my job. And especially the most important thing of my job, how can I, take the best out of an athlete, right? And help him go wherever he or she wants to go. And uh, yes, there is a technical knowledge regarding our sport that a coach needs to have. But for me, if I wouldn't understand really the drive, how my athlete works, I'm not sure I will be able to, you know, to, to uh, take the best out of that person or make, or even make me as interest enough as to put more time, more motivation, more capacity to help that person go wherever he or she wants to go. Amy, you're looking at me like. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like, like I'm a teacher. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a teacher and I'm, I'm relating to what you're saying because you absolutely have to have, you have to know about each individual person in order to get them to, to their potential. It's not just a generalization of, yeah, I, I can coach somebody how to do a thruster, sure. But yeah. but I, it's really that relational piece and understanding each individual that I think makes such a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I I I I never did a generic programming. I I never understood how how that works actually. I just met people and, well, to be honest, yet again, I have been lucky enough as to meet very 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 fit people who said to me, "Give me a hand," or "Do you want to work with me?" And they were my guinea pigs, you know, somehow because. At the end of the day, nobody knows, nobody has the, the the secret key that opens all doors, right? We are trying and learning and experimenting, making mistakes, trying again. Uh, and But so to answer your question, I think that everything that I study um, helped me a lot uh, uh, to my development as a coach. You know, politics gets you a, a very clear idea on how to 
I mean, this is going to sound really bad. I mean, I need to measure myself, but to a certain degree, how to manipulate people's yep. will, right? And how to play with intention and consequence and, you know, all of the things. And many politicians do that. For sure. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes athletes also need to be treated. Uh, uh, yeah, but I, yeah. Need to, I need to be politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> I better, we talk about the weather. How is the storm there? Is it getting better? We're rolling. <laughs> no, but yes, well, think, everything serves. Yeah. We, we can get semantic about it and say, you know, every athlete needs a, a, some motivation, right? Or um, to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Or sometimes not understanding what they're doing and just do it so they can experience it. You know, it's Don't not necessarily being tricked. It's getting them yeah. through the full. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is that the routine plays a role. So, you know, if you do 21, it's an example, 2159, right? And of course, you do know that it knows both consciously and unconsciously that at nine reps is going to be over. So, yeah. but I want more. I want, I, I see that there is much more. And I see why the work needs to end now. I'm really building a strong adaptation here, right? So maybe they are, you know, play something, a little card uh, that is not supposed to be mean, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's part of the game. It's, it's just very many things um, can be assessed only at that right moment. You know, you can write on the paper a lot of things, but I don't know how that is going to translate on that day, on that person's life, on how he or she slept or ate or, you know, the will, the mood. So... It's not you, Amy. Okay. I think we just... Uh, there I am. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, you know, and to play around about the things, and some, some people believe there is a trick. It's not a trick, actually. It's, it's for their own good. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yes. But also, Scott and Amy, I think that we coaches need also to be motivated. Uh, and, you know, it, it is not a nine-to-five kind of work. So I do this, 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 and then I walk. You know, we, we take home. I work from home, but we keep home uh, yeah. a lot of the, you know... The, my intentions, my 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 mental state throughout the day, and if I would not have an athlete that I think that goes hand in hand with my motivation, on my you know intentions and my objectives, then I'm not sure that I'm going to be the best coach for that person, right? So I think that it's a both things. I I also be, need sometimes to be tricked by my athletes. I guess maybe they do it. I didn't realize yet. But, uh, sure. you know, I work with very clever people, so certainly more clever than me. So, you know, maybe I'm full every day and I have not realized yet. Well, I think, yeah, as, as uh, coaches, we need to be challenged so that we are helping them to continually get their potential. If it was always easy, goes it, then, then yeah, we're losing some of our passion and trying to help them get to yeah. their potential. Yeah. And, and I think also, I mean, I think that we need to be challenged not to not to stagnate stagnate so yeah i think that many coaches learn something that is interesting and they use it over and over and over and over and over and because that works you know they close the door to more knowledge or more learning until there's an athlete that comes to me hey you facundo explain me why this and why that and how what, how what do i have to do to get there now and then you know I'm obliged to provide a proper answer. Otherwise, I, they, I lose credibility. If, if a coach says to me, hey, how can I do this? Sorry, an athlete says to me, I need to do that. And I said, oh, let me think about it. And I, I come back to you tomorrow. 
I'm not sure whether they're going to feel that they're in good hands. So we also need to be in constant um, improvement, constant motion towards more knowledge. Absolutely. As, as our sport is also developing so fast. Mm -hmm. So what was it like when Rich Froning asked you to be the coach of Mayhem Freedom? Very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. 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 So, more stressful than working with politicians? 10 times more. Okay. 10 times more. 10 times more. So we 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 had we we were good friends already. We were, I was a good we were friends with Rich back at the time. And uh certainly, you know, Rich Ron is not a person who needs a coach to tell him to tell him, oh now you need to warm up, do three rounds of burpees and row, and you know, <clears throat> it would be silly to think that I am the one that you know build his who he is, right? Yeah. However, I think that all of us need a person that we can trust in moments of joy and in moments that are maybe less joyful. And, uh, you know, I think the relation that I have with Rich went very much into that direction. So we trust each other very much. And I like to think that he believes that I'm a person who is going to be with him, uh, you know, in, every dif in, in each different step of, of, uh, or, or moment of competition or whatever. So. He, I woke up one day, I, I woke up very often, quite early, and I have a text and it was like, no, hello, brother, or anything. Are you going to be the coach of Mayhem Freedom this year? And, and it's like, oh man, it took me like the whole day to answer because I didn't know what to answer. You know, Of course, I, I, I knew that I wanted to answer yes. I just didn't know which words to use and you know, how to express my, uh, some professionalism and you know, it need to be, perfect phrase and we come to the evening and my friends is like bro you better answer otherwise the guy thinks you're very impolite I just don't know what to answer I want to answer yes I just don't know how to put it into words and um yeah and uh so that was 2018 I think 18 and we've been working together and uh I'm very much looking forward to to this year I would I would think it's more stressful than if many other athletes would ask because you already know he knows the movements he knows he's been around the game a long time so it's gonna you're gonna have to pull deep into that bag of tricks to be there for him yeah yeah i mean he's like he's like i don't know don't know i don't know the i really don't know the image that people has of him but he's a very very clever guy he's not just a fit guy yeah. the guy is extremely clever uh, besides his work ethics and how he's a person, he knows where he has to go and how to get there, right? I mean, uh, now, uh, yes, it, it is It is also stressful because, you know, Rich is not a person that gives advice or the person that says, you know, this is the way anything needs to be done. As he says himself, he leads by example, so he does his things and he inspires those around him to do the same, which is very stressful, very, very, very stressful because you want to be at your very best. And uh, you, you're always fearing that you have a misstep or you make a little mistake because he doesn't. And, you know, you are, you are somehow tiptoeing into oh, everything is fine. I thought everything, you know, but at the end of the day, of all the people that I have had the chance to work with, I think that as much stress is for me to work with him 
I think that he's the easiest person to work with too. I mean, he, the guy is just, you know, like I'm not going to mention names, but the guy just wakes up, has his breakfast, warms up, does his thing, comes home, is with his children, with his family. I mean, there's no this idea that many people I think believe of like, you know, you have your little balance and you weight your carbs and your, your this and that, and then you put that thing and you sleep nine hours and five minutes because that is what an app tells you you need to sleep in order to be at your top. It's very natural for him. It's, it's something that he doesn't have to put an additional effort, you know, to be, mm -hmm. uh, to be there. It's, it's, he's, he's natural. Yeah, he's very routine about that, but in an organic way. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've seen many people who have pushed themselves, who went really far, but pushed themselves to the very extreme. And I'm not sure whether that is a sustainable thing, whether in time you can maintain that for many, many years, right? Uh, I mean, being a CrossFit athlete is already hard. Being a CrossFit champion is extremely hard because also I think that what people maybe doesn't seem very much it's like when rich or you know one of rich diamat whatever they are on the competition floor people expect to see magic so i pay my ticket and i want to see magic i want to see what this hype is about right i'm i am i want to see this man dismantling the competition and and showing me why he's the goat so yeah. that adds a bit more of you know stress and and, and everything to to an athlete so um so how much does your your neuroscience background <clears throat> and that research as far as you know the emotional part of of development how much does that play into your coaching oh no to be honest the neuroscience part very very little because okay. when i was studying back then it was just you know alzheimer parkinson memory travels and and, you know, and very severe um diseases that translate into behavior okay Luckily, none of the athletes have that at the moment. And, uh, but uh, no, but before, so my first two years of psychology, I did in Argentina. And there I was studying for, to become a psychoanalyst, so a Freudian uh, psych psychotherapist, yeah. which my sister is. And that helps much more to understand, for me at least, uh, uh, how uh, the mental structure works. And uh, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's very complex. And I think that it's, it's very much by feeling too, you know, like, I'm, I'm not instincts. Uh, yeah, making a therapy with my with my athletes. You know, I just want to understand them better. That's most of it. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of people don't understand that. Like, Rich can't go anywhere during a competition week without people knowing who he is, and the man never says no. He's always taking pictures. He's always. So, how much of your role is to make sure that he gets from point A to point B in time? That is a good question. It's the hardest thing that I have to do, to be honest, because Rich is a guy that, and yet again, I mean, I'm not very impartial here. He's one of my best friends. So of course, you know, I'm going to bring, you know, what he is. And he he's a guy that understands what it is to stay in line for one hour, two hours outside of, of an arena waiting for a, for a t-shirt, waiting for a, you know, for a selfie or whatever. And, and he acknowledged, and he's very appreciative of that. But also, you know, maybe sometimes between events. And we, I remember we were in London, uh, Strength and Depth 2020, and there was a lot of people, but really a lot of people. And, you know, people very lovely come with a t-shirt, the, the shoes, 
the backpack, the picture, the thing, the video, and you know, and it takes a lot of time. And I remember we had an we had an event like a, one hour later, so we needed to go back to the warm up area, eat, and start warming up. And by the time you know we would make it back to the warm up area, Scott, China, and Tasha were already finished eating, stretching, and warming up. And we're just like, okay, where do I go now? What do I have? You know, because he he he's a very you know what we said, not generous but appreciative guy in terms of uh, understanding you know what his fans or I don't know if that's the correct word, but people mean by waiting and by you know saying always uh, a kind word and. Yeah, it's uh, it's he's he's a very generous guy. So, how much better of a coach have you become being around him? Oof, well, <laughs> I don't think that I can measure that. I I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm a good coach so far yet. I guess we are on the on the learning curve. Um, but um, look, this year this year is the first year actually that. Um, Jake, Jake is the Mayhem Athlete uh, Director, Jake Locker, a fantastic guy. Rich and me, we sit uh, with our own ideas and we discuss the program, the programming for Mayhem Athlete and for the camp that is taking place now in Mayhem. We have, uh, we come to this later, a lot of athletes competing in the graphic games this year by Mayhem. So uh, it is, um, he, he's a guy that, you know, he clearly, brings his ideas forward. And I was like, yeah, why this? No, let's make it like this. I, I really think that, you know, and at the moment, sometimes you're like, mm, he didn't like my workouts. But at the end of the day, you know, when you see the athletes or you're coaching the athletes doing them, you, you, you realize why he wanted to change into that, why he wanted to move more into that direction instead of the one that I was initially aiming to. Uh, and I think that on the other hand, even more so the fact that I see clearly uh, that it's no secret to become, you know, magic thing. It's just hard work. Everybody at Mayhem works really, really, work really, really hard. And he's, he, you know, it's very funny. The other day somebody was asking me, and it is incredible at Mayhem, you know, at the barn or at Mayhem, there's no, he's the best one. So everybody then learn to be very humble because you you write a, a, a work on a whiteboard and it's, I don't know, heavy barbells. And of course, everybody goes to Guy and says, oh, Guy, he has his workout, you know. But then this is the next workout is a 25-minute interval or ambrose or whatever, and you know that Haley is going to demolish that workout, no doubt. Mm -hmm. And then you put heavy deadlifts and you have Tyler and then you put this and you have Paige. So... No one is really the best one. And even though you have still in every single workout, Rich Froning breathing in your neck, like, I'm here, <laughs> keep going, yeah. you know. Still uh, here. <laughs> still, I'm still here, yeah. yeah. And, I'm, and I'm, yeah. So, you know, it is, it is funny. That is how they work there. You know, they don't take anything for granted. Everybody knows that they need to, be, to, to make a big effort to bring forward the best they have because otherwise one of their partners is going to, you know, run them through. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is one of the most beautiful things that we have at Mayhem. So this is a, a little bit of a follow-up now that Rich is kind of moving more into a coaching role. <clears throat> I was at Mac. I was at Syndicate. 
Syndicate, Rich is relaxed all weekend. It's his team. <laughs> he knows what he can do on the floor. Following weekend, he's there at Mac as a coach. Very different Rich than I've seen before. Much more tense, much more um, non-expression on the face. How have you seen him develop from a coaching perspective during that time? Look, when I met him, he was the guy who trained alone, kind of alone. You know, nobody knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Everything was a secret. <laughs> Hence, what's Rich doing, right? right. <laughs> what is that guy doing hidden there, right? And then he he opened the doors of his house, of his barn, of the older barn, actually, and started mingling with people. And, you know, the fact that he decided to go into teams that I wouldn't say obliged, but that opened the possibility for him to become more, to become more social in his training aspect. And I think that he himself, I'm guessing this is a guess, he feels very inspired, very inspired about the work that our athletes and mayhem are doing, right? And I think that there is a part of him that believes, oh, I'm very glad that these people are going to take the torch of me when I decide to retire. And uh, I think that that is uh, why he both, you know, time-wise and emotionally-wise connects, connects so much with, with his athletes. And when you are yourself the athlete, you know what you can do when you put yourself your, your limits. But when you're seen from outside, right, it's, it is a very stressful thing. Uh, and that is what he's now starting to, to taste, the stress of a coach. Yeah. Well, Scott, that's what we always talk about that as parents. It's so much harder to watch your own children compete yeah. and, and do sports. So in a sense, maybe that's what, you know, Rich is feeling. This is, these are my babies. These are my kids that I've been coaching and now they're, they're performing and you hold all the anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I, I know always that Rich is going to do well because I know who he is and know who he is. However, I have to say that when any of my athletes go to the competition floor, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a wreck. I mean, I'm, I'm not in a good spot. I think somebody took pictures of me last year when, when Saxon was doing the, the ladder with the cleans and the running. And I was like this, I was like, I didn't want to see. And a friend who was sitting next to me, I think it was Mike, Mike Malloy from M2 Performance. Yes, he got it. And then I will, you know, go back and see, but I just could not see it. It is very, very challenging. And maybe because I, 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 I prefer to have this emotional connection with my athletes. It, it serves me a lot. But in those moments of competitions are, you know, Lazar was a uh, um, couple of weeks ago, some weeks ago at, at the Lowlands, Lazar Dukic, one of my athletes. And, you know, when we start working together, he said to me, we, we, we decided, but he said to me, my main priority is going to be my strength. I need to build strength. So this uh, barbell complex, one of the work, common workers for the semifinals was for him, the way of measuring whether all the work we did together, you know, was well invested. And uh, so me, his, his girlfriend and me, we were just behind him watching that happen, that, that last, the third attempt. God, I think that I aged three months in one minute. I was yeah. like, you know, it was very challenging and, you know, I was happy that he managed to, to do that lift. But uh, as you were saying, Amy, we, I, I feel that they are somehow part of my family. So I get very stressful when, when they are competing. Yeah. So I had always kind of known the legend of Facundo through Mayhem Media, all of that kind of stuff. In okay. 2020, 
I was the judge for Saxon at the Rogue Invitational the year that it was the COVID year where everybody was in their own gym and they oh, yeah. did the broadcast live. <clears throat> at that weekend, you got to see all the behind the scenes stuff because you were there with the athlete for the entire weekend. And Spencer was calling you and texting you continually through that weekend because you had become their coach during that time. And I got to learn about like that you, cause people, I don't think people realized how much into coaching you really were. And I didn't until that moment when I saw how much you were talking with them over that weekend, all that to be said, how excited are you to see that Spencer finally punched his ticket to the CrossFit games? I'm, I'm very excited for both of them. Saxon and me, we started, we started working together early this year. He, he needed a change and he needed an environment. And, uh, you know, we, I know Shane and Tia quite well, and we discussed what would be his best option. And, you know, uh, he went there and I was very happy with his decision. Uh, a bit sad about, you know, he, uh, both of us partying. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, Spence came to Mayhem. And, uh, yeah, he's, I'm, I'm, I, you know, he's a great person to start with Spence, both of them. We're talking about Spence now. He's a great person. And I think that throughout the years, he built this little world, world in like, I'm not going to make get the games. I'm not going to the games. And now that he finally did it, I think that the world is going to see a very, from now on, mm -hmm. a very different Spencer from what they used to see. I call him the flash. Even when I was working with, with Saxon, I always told Sax, hey, be careful with Spence. I mean, you know, he's, he might be the youngest sibling of the, all of you. Yeah. He's very dangerous. And when something falls into his realm, he's magic. And that's really the word. I remember when he went to uh, West Coast, he was doing this uh, uh, cheaper G, triple, I, I think it was a cheaper G, remember, 100 pull-ups, 80 uh, GHD sit-ups, uh, 60 pistols, mm. row and heavy dumbbell press and you know we talk a lot about that workout because he did it before and uh he understood that workout so well that he made he built it for himself and in that workout in competition i think he took almost a minute off matt fraser's time from the games two years before almost one minute wow on a 10 minute time domain workout wow so you know that's to say that the guy has the capacity, you know, and, and, and the potential to do incredible things. And I think that, that is where he's now. And I think that from now on, he's not worrying anymore. Will I make it to the games next year? Mm -hmm. Which is the only thing, thought that I, he might have had throughout the season. Now he's like, okay, what do I need to do to get better again next year at the games? And that changes his whole perception of how he trains what are his objectives, how to invest his time and so on. And uh, he, his, I mean, Scott, and I don't know, if, I mean, if you know Spence, he's a yeah. super nice guy, yes. like, yeah. sweet as can be. And uh, he, he's very well loved in Mayhem. Uh, and I hope that he loves us too, but I guess so. And uh, he's, he's been putting very serious work. And I am looking forward to see him uh, next week and uh, for the games to you know to be able to use that to show how much he grew as an athlete 
Yeah, it's almost like there was a wall up for him, like you were saying. And then once we've kind of broken through that wall, now he can kind of relax and just really be who he is as an athlete. I mean, not, not mm -hmm. relax, but I mean, you know, kind of like he yeah. realizes he deserves to be there. Exactly. And, and, you know, he's he works really hard and he's very, very talented. You know, you, you just need to put some screws here and there to, you know, to, to shape things up. But uh, the potential he has, it's, it's really extraordinary. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to see him uh, going to the games this year. And I'm also sure that Saxon is going to do great because I know he's been working really hard and he's in very good company. Yeah, we've actually been lucky enough to get to know the twins. Mm -hmm. um, one of their friends goes to Amy's gym <clears throat> and they've come and helped with charity work at the gym, mm -hmm. things like that. So we've known them for years. Um, we interviewed Spencer right after he moved to Cookville and it was a very different Spencer, much more relaxed and much more confident. Like the confidence level in that kid has gone up so much. And I was, I was lucky enough to be at West coast last year when he broke that record. Okay, yeah. It was unreal. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, I, and I think, and I think that if, if he gets, you know, more this, this the skill of understanding workouts the same way he understood that workout for him, right? And he keeps working on his fitness. He's going to be a very fierce competitor. He uh, he has the capacity for sure. Mm -hmm. When all the Panchecks always seem to do better at the games than they even do, did at the regional semifinal level. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I expect big things. But I, I will admit, when they announced his name at right. – um, Mac, I bawled. Yeah, just tears flooding down my face. Yeah, it was, he, um, I was so happy for him. Very, very well deserved. Um, so, Facundo, at the beginning, you said that you're you're not quite an athlete, but what kind of um, <laughs> what did what, did you play sports growing up? Uh, no, no, I did not play any sport whatsoever. I was super skinny, like badly skinny. Uh, I, 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 I used to like to, you know, to learn music, okay. uh, which I was my first big love in my life, uh, classical music. And, um, so I spent my whole time, uh, listening to, uh, you know what an LP is? These are the long plays, this, this round yeah. things that, you know, just record thing on yeah. record. Yeah. The vinyl it's called vinyls, right? Vinyl? The vinyls. In, in, vinyls in America. Yeah. Yeah. Here they call it LPs. So. I, I spent all my childhood um, doing that. I mean, uh, so no, I didn't play any sport whatsoever. Zero. I was not built for that. And I don't think that I have the mental capacity to go to the stress that people go to. It's, it's you know, you need to have a, a steel character and nerves of steel. And, you know, no, I'm more, <laughs> I'm very different. So what about now? Do you participate in CrossFit now? I, look, I used to do CrossFit and I, I did one, two competitions. Okay. Like very, very regional in between the gyms in Brussels, the team actually, not, not even individual. And uh, that went very well. But uh, I, uh, I had uh, an accident and I dislocated my shoulder and I had a very big uh, reconstructive surgery in my shoulder. And then I uh, uh, fractured my internal ligament. So I couldn't really sit properly or squat for maybe... 18 months and uh, now I'm fine and I'm doing excuses when I go to Cookville I I do stuff on my corner you know because yeah. I don't want to be around those people 
that you know kind of it's a ray of light into my misery it's like you know you are yeah. doing this we are doing that um nobody cares to be honest eh? but um i i do at the moment very little it's been a year uh full of beautiful things that happen um work-wise so most of my attention now is it's uh, with my athletes um yeah. and mayhem athlete we we have an extraordinary year uh and we are looking very much to uh to to the games this year very very much so I'm looking at the mayhem structure and you mentioned Jake and he is the director. There are, there's like a handful of coaches listed underneath that. You are one of those. Do you guys split up the athletes amongst yourselves? Are you all their coaches? No. So uh, it's, it's funny. We, we, we share a lot of things. We are not people that are, this is my athlete. I don't dare you to talk to him or, you know, uh, or that so we 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 really share uh you know i know this better than somebody else or kind of i'm asked i don't know something like go to to jake mostly in terms of programming in terms of programming it's mostly so darren i think that's all the affiliate work which is a lot of work we have a lot of affiliates great programming by the way so the coach from a box doesn't have a programming mayhem affiliate is a great program and jake and me we do most of the mayhem athletes works uh and uh yeah we know it's very funny we are very simple we we bring ideas to the table we sit uh we have zoom or face or whatever and we discuss about them and we we come into terms we we work very easily actually it's uh, it's 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 a lot of work but it, it's it's a beautiful work so we have a question from Kat. Is there an athlete out there you haven't worked with that you might like to? Um, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I I haven't worked that I'd like to work with. I really don't know. I need. To, I need. To, if, if you ask me in two minutes, I'll do my best to answer you. I'm really not sure. I mean. Yeah, let me let me give me give me ten minutes, and I promise I'll, I'll get back to you. <laughs> okay. So what does what does your upcoming schedule look like? Um, the the games are in a week and a half. Yeah. You're in Belgium. That's a long way. Uh, I'm in Austria. Austria. I'm in Austria now. In Austria. Austria. Oh, okay. Austria. Yeah. I mean, I mean, also we have a very super little house in the mountains, and I tend to come here in order to get strength. You know, it's my like I'm tapering for the games, kind of too. Yeah. In my in my own way. <laughs> Uh, so um, I'm here. I, I was in Cookville until last Saturday, last Friday, last Sunday, I think, whatever. And uh, I came here for some days off. The people there know we, you know, we left very clear instructions. And Jake is there, and Rich is there too. And I'm traveling next week to, to the games. We have Mayhem has um, 16 individual athletes competing in, in both categories, so almost 20% of the field. We have uh, 11 teams, we have 17 masters and four uh, teams. And we, I know, and we want to take care of them the best we can. So we are really resting well, preparing our strength to be at, at our best for them. So games, and after the games, Rich, Haley, Tyler, me and Bailey, we go to Italy for a competition. Okay. After that, we do a seminar in Rome. And after that, I'm back in Cookville to start working on, on the upcoming season. 
So when you go to the games, will your husband travel with you? No, no, no. I cannot okay. go alone. <laughs> You're like, I no, got to no, work. No. You got to stay. No, we, we, we divide the things very well. And, uh, you know, he likes CrossFit. He likes to see CrossFit sometime. Yeah. He's not a very big fan. He, he does triathlon. Okay. And, uh, and he came to, to a CrossFit class many, many years ago. Uh, and he fell into one of the worst classes, like, you know, 1,000 lunges and box jumps and deadlift and he couldn't walk for like one month properly so his training was destroyed and then he's this this sport stupid i'm never doing this again and uh he uh yeah he no he, he's fine at home i have a daughter yeah. so uh he's taking care of her awesome <laughs> does your daughter do any crossfit or uh she does a lot of sport not crossfit yet but with 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 my husband they go biking a lot she's yeah. five and uh just before leaving on holidays she biked like five miles on his little bike on her little bike and i was like are you okay i love it so um he she likes sports a lot she she likes to swim so she's very very active and uh, we like to get her you know Tired, not tired, but you know, but yeah. Ellie, you know what I mean, you know. Yes, get that energy we, out, get that energy yeah. out, you know, expressing, <laughs> expressing into sports. And uh, uh, he likes to see CrossFit, he uh, she likes to see CrossFit, she's a big fan of um, beautiful enough, she's a very big fan of strong girls who lift weights, yeah. You know, she's uh, wow. I mean, um, we, my family, and and, and my family, and we are very good friends of well, of course, of Rich and family but of, of Tia and of Catherine and they came Catherine came home when uh, from Iceland with when Greta was born uh to, to meet her and so you know we have a lot of press and Tia came she lived in my house actually for three weeks some years ago and she loves to see them on on television when they're competing she's like psh, 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 psh. you know don't talk don't talk uh yeah. and uh, she she's very mesmerized by by female athletes she doesn't like so much the boy athletes she, she likes the strong girls yeah i'm happy about that yeah that's awesome i'm very happy about that yeah so we talked to Paige a couple weeks ago and she was saying that mayhem has built like an add-on to the gym just for the mayhem athletes to train at when they come to cookville like during this time before the games it is amazing what mayhem has built over the last 10 years. So I was there for the mayhem classic. I know that where it's at is where the athletes were back then, but it was just a tent. Exactly. Yeah. For so, the, for them. Now it's and, a full on air conditioned facility. Yeah. So uh, they on the backside of mayhem. There was actually, there was an open space. It was at the very beginning, a parking lot. Then we put, so like a flooring, for the classic and tents, so where people and it was super cold. And if you remember, Scott, it was very very fresh those days. So we put a tent so people as it's warm up. And this year we had to to you know to enlarge and they, we we build a proper facility for athletes competing. Also because although Mayhem is a very big, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to I have I have my question. I have it. I have it. Um, <laughs> oh, she knows uh, that. She needs to go back to Mayhem. That's what she's talking about. Oh, yeah. Okay. About. Okay. We need to go. Yeah. We, we, you are all invited. So we needed to create more space uh, for athletes. Even though Mayhem is a very big, uh, you know, gym, athletes take a lot of space, especially professional athletes. They, you know, a sled already, a yoke, you, you need your space. And um, 
so we were very happy to to be able to to do that and now all of the athletes that are there preparing for the games they have their own space they are very comfortable they have all the material so rogue is always extremely generous with us so every time that we we have something they 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 pamper us with everything and um, it's getting bigger it's getting bigger yeah that's incredible so let's well, let's go back to Kat's questions. We've given you about four minutes. Okay, so I have a friend of mine who is a very good friend of mine who I would love to coach, but he doesn't want me to coach. And his name is Paul Tremblay. He's a Canadian oh, athlete. Yes. He's one of my best friends. I adore Paul. So does and, Kat. So does Kat. Okay, Kat, it's a, a good question. It's a good answer for you then. So, yeah. so Paul is a very good friend of mine and he's so talented and he says, no, 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 you know, if you, you, you know, don't, don't stress me. I do my 5 a.m. class and, uh, you know, and I also think that there's, there's, there's a girl in, in Europe called Gabriela Migala, uh, who I think she's extraordinary. Um, I, uh, I think that she, she's amazing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, I was not realize. Uh, uh, yeah, and I don't know. I I would like to work also with some dancer. It's a good friend of mine. Yeah, and uh, he's an extraordinary fun guy to to be around with. So, uh, Kat, you have three, three. Yeah, there you go. Three possible answers. Yeah. Do you hear yeah, you the storm? Yes, I did just hear that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. but but uh, to be honest, at the moment, I'm, I'm 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 very happy where I am. We we have. A roster of beautiful people to work with at Bayham, and uh, all our, um, you know, our motivation and concentration and hard work is set there uh, towards towards them. Yeah. So it's funny. Kat is actually one of our co-hosts. Yeah. Okay. Um, her her son is just playing baseball today, um, but Paul is her favorite, and so we actually had him on for her birthday. Okay. Just this past I didn't year. know that. I promise I didn't know yeah. that. Right, I know. That's why it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, while I was, I, I used, I used to work on a Hinshaw. I worked with Chris Hinshaw for many years, and we had a station at Power Monkey called the Endurance Station, and we always needed an assistant coach. And I think that I kind of harassed Hinshaw into hire Paul to be uh, the co-coach with me of that station. And you know, if you know Paul, he doesn't like to run. He's like the least. Of all the strong athletes, the least enduring athlete of them all. And he's like, I'm a sprinter, you know. And uh, we managed to, uh, to convince him. So we, uh, he came to Power Monkey. He was the coach of the Durant Station. And he kind of, even himself, he joked on everything he did not have to do uh, if you want to improve your endurance. Nice. Yeah. So Kat's also asking, will you be involved with the Legends competition, the Masters competition at Mayhem? Uh, I don't think so. Let me I, let me just put my cable on my computer because I think that it's branched and I'm scared that it's going to uh, just yeah. I, it's just here. One sec. Cat uh, also doesn't like to run, so that seems that that's a nice little match made right there. Done. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's okay. No, I, I I'm doing another competition that we're doing with Mayhem in Argentina, the Argentina Throwdown, which is going to be pretty okay. much the same date. Uh, I'm I'm very much involved in Latin America. Uh, we, you know, one of the things that I'm very thankful, very very thankful, is last year I was sitting with Rich and we were talking about plans, and I said, you know, 
I feel that not everybody have access to the same, you know, level of coaching material and so on. And that is very often for athletes living in the Southern hemisphere, a limitation, you know, they just feel that they don't have the same access. Therefore they feel somehow that they are neglected. So I told Rich, you know, I would love to go to South America and start, you know, building a community and create kind of a bridge between mayhem and South America. So people, athletes were, going to be given high-level programming. And I've always thought that if we can manage to do that, the excuses are going to be minimized. You know, to say, like, I have everything that I need to have because it's been given to me. If I want to go to the games or be the next champion, now it's really fully dependent on me, not just the circumstances of the environment, right? And uh, that is how, well, we... Uh, we're lucky enough to have a gi, to have uh, that now he moved to Kurbin now uh, last September. I was still with Argentinian athlete that actually finally today he got his official invite to go to the CrossFit Games. After weeks of waiting, he was third in Copa Sur and the second person tested positive. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I'm very happy that he's there and many other athletes that we have the chance to work with. And we are building a beautiful community in South America. Uh, and I'm extremely happy about it. And now we are moving a little bit into uh, Africa. We have uh, Michelle Mirand, our, one of our athletes, is the fittest woman in, in the country. And he said, Mayhem now. She said, Mayhem now, come preparing for the games. She's from South Africa. And we want to you know, keep expanding and, and giving opportunities to people. We have a program in Spanish. Which is, uh, I'm not selling the program here because this is English podcast. Yeah. But we have a program in Spanish, just in Spanish, and it's the, the full translation of Mayhem Compete and M30 and Bodybuilding. Everything's done in Spanish, and the price is also adapted to the reality of those countries. You know, it's 60% yeah. off the price of the Mayhem athlete uh, in North America, so it's 20 bucks only. Uh, and it's it's our way of you know or at least mayhem's way to you know to try to involve and give more chances to people um, in areas where the things are a bit scarce. That's one of the things that's so awesome about the mayhem programming is there's so many different sections. You know the the bodybuilding, the affiliate, the sixty minute. You know yeah. how much. Do you have special? A lot. A lot. <laughs> you don't no, specialize no. in any part of that. No. So what we do is that we have main ideas and directions we want to put into the program, right? Yeah. And then we created uh, you know, full skeletons of things that adaptation that we want to move our athletes towards, right? And then yeah. we create ways of scaling according to their time or the material or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, it, 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 it's, it, it, that's the M30, M60 uh, masters, yeah. teens, compete and with what we're doing but we also have aerobic capacity that's done by Hinsho, okay. Dragon strength done yeah. by sage and, and, and coach bergener uh, bodybuilding with another coach um we have a, an interesting option of programs yeah we're yeah. very happy about about that yeah we use mayhem affiliate at our gym right now amy of course i knew that we have something <laughs> come on you and me <laughs> So I, I want to go back to the South America thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a secret that there was a very big drug problem down there in Copacur. Yeah. You said that there's a lot of excuses. Do you think that that is 
what led to a lot of that? Or do you think it's just a cultural thing? That is a very good question. I'm not able to answer you, Scott. I'm going to give you just a little bit of ideas that I have. I think that the culture of, of PEDs there is different than in North America. I think that, you know, unluckily, not negative. Well, certainly, of course, it's negative. This is something that people should not be doing, but uh, access to them is much easier than in other places. And uh, you, look, uh, it, it, it was very hard for, for us, for people, not just for Mayhem, but for many other coaches and athletes that are investing in South America, you know, and trying to, to you know, to bring forward and underline the potential that there exists there, that this, uh, that this happened. However, I will, I, I don't want to say, well, because the what is big problem in Copa Sur, South America is a continent in which this is common. Uh, you know, uh, but it is an ongoing problem. Maybe it's maybe a lack of education or, or you know, a lack of um, understanding or a lack of, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is a very serious problem. I really don't know uh, what to answer. I'm, I'm very lucky that um, there is not something that has been uh, expanded in the environment of artists that I work. Uh, you know, uh, but I hope that we find a solution, you know, to educate more people, athletes into understanding the, the negative side, uh, the illegal side and the ethically incorrect side of using, using this kind of shortcuts. So when you're building a program there, and I think that this is going to be universal, not just in South America for camp training camps and things like that. Are, are you hoping to put things in place to educate people about that um, as you move forward? Or is it just, do you need to build it first and then figure it out? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if I have the instruments enough to educate people myself. Uh, I think that we, 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 we give instruments that people can take uh, and they can use them as, you know, educational for themselves. It's, it's like a coach, I think that, you know, we coaches, we guide and we, yet again, we, we give the instruments to athletes. If they are clever enough to take them and they're valid for them, that would work really well. Some athletes, you know, maybe don't have the capacity, cognitive capacity to understand what is being given to them. The goal in South America is, first of all, to, to create this, um, this bridge in which we are working hard to give possibilities for athletes that don't have access like uh, Europeans or Americans to coaching or you know to training camps uh, and so on. That is the main goal. But yes, we we started to expand slightly. We have two adaptive athletes that are that are there. One of them uh, is going to the games now. Uh, we have also started working with masters and with teens. So um, it's, it's going really well. And it's you know coming from South America, I'm I'm, I'm extremely happy to be able to. To you know, to cooperate with a little bit of grain of sand of uh, of what I'm working with. So we we just passed the hour. I want to finish up because I want to respect your time. Is I want to finish fine, with one question. I'm fine. Yes. Oof. How much has coaching made you a better father? Um, a lot. A lot because I used to be very individualistic in my, the way that I relate to the world. You know, I, I studied a lot, but I studied for me, and I was responsible for my own acts and, and, and results. And um, I found out with coaching 
uh, how even having studied psychology, how different we are, and how to try to, you know, get the skill of uh, having different different ways to, you know, to pass a message. Uh, mm -hmm. Not everybody is receptive the same way. So a coach, besides the knowledge, is okay. I need to talk to this person like this. It works better with his or her character, and vice versa. So I think that being a coach, by far, of all the things that I've done in my life, it's been the most rewarding, the most stressful, by far, but also the most rewarding. And uh, I, I'm, I'm extremely thankful for, for how uh, you know people have helped me and given opportunities to to do what I'm doing now. And you've actually you actually work with a team as a coach, and you get to work with your husband as a co as a father. Uh, okay, yeah. you, different, you know, different, <laughs> different, different, different. No, I mean, yet again, I, I work with teams, but it's it's a bit of a different um, you know approach. Um, it's it's very funny because we talk to our daughter in different languages too. Yeah. I try to speak to I, I speak mostly of, of to her. I speak mostly in French or in Spanish, but mostly French. Uh, he speaks to her just in German, and when we are together, we speak in German. But already, because of you know the language, our approach is very, very different. Even to the sound, you know, German language and French languages are very opposed in the way we <laughs> yeah. express ourselves, in the way we you know we use uh, phrases to 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 express you know, whether it's an order, a, you know, an advice. A sentiment or whatever. German people are very like, much more direct. It's a beautiful language. Yeah. French people are much more cold, more mellow, and, and so I think that that we we have different um, instruments in how to uh, how to uh, you know yeah do our job as a as a father. Yeah. How to relate those? Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Eddie Murphy used to have a bit about the difference between the French and the German language back yeah. in the early eighties. That is hilarious. And that's all that I can out. think about. I need to find that out. I need to find that. No, I, I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very surprised that Greta is able to speak uh, three languages quite well, uh, better than me. Actually, when I speak German, she corrects me. She's five. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm in good mood, I said, Oh, thank you. That's nice. When I'm in good, you know, I mean, when you're like doing yeah. 10 things at the same time yeah. and I'm trying to talk to her in German, I said, you should not say it like this. You should say it like that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, let yeah. me talk about it. I'm doing my Thanks best. Thanks for the feedback. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but she's very like teacher, like this, you know, you know, maybe takes up from from German. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Vakunda, this has been a blast this hour. I'm so glad you joined us. Uh, we'll be in Madison, so hopefully we'll see you there. I want to see you with um, that T-shirt though. You got to wear that T-shirt, Scott. Yeah, Scott. Uh, I actually have a bunch of mayhem shirts, so I'll, I'll wear them. Amy, do you have your mayhem shirt? I do. I do. Okay. Otherwise, talk to me, Amy, and okay. we arrange. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see you there. Thank you so very much for your time, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.